What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Kellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Fabian Monaco, CEO of one of the hottest cannabis companies out there, Gage Cannabis. Fabian, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm doing great. Appreciate it. Let's start with some of the hardest questions. What is your go-to meal after consuming cannabinoids? I'd probably say a burger. Let's dive into some of the questions. Gage. Can you share a little bit about the backstory and the value they play in the industry? And then from there, take us into the cookies and, and the value they play as well. So from a gauge standpoint, you know, we, we really wanted to focus on our brand right off the bat, focused on flour to start as well. You know, flour is the queen of the industry still, probably accounts for close to 60% of our sales right now in this quarter. And something we really put a lot of time and effort into. It's not just about, you know, growing a good product. We also put a lot, a lot of effort and time into the post-production process. And I think that was what really helped us elevate our brand really quickly. Our partnership with Cookies, you know, that you brought up, uh, we've learned so much from them. It's really also helped us elevate our brand to, uh, you know, a quasi-similar level in Michigan. And that's really been beneficial for not only expanding the Gage brand in Michigan, but also the Cookies brand. How did the origin of that relationship start? And then was that a key decision when going forward with Gage? Yeah. So I think, you know, the two co-founders had a good relationship with Burner. I think they've been talking to him for, you know, probably a good solid four or five years. Finally minted a relationship officially about two years ago, signed a five-year exclusive agreement with the Cookies brand uh, for processing, cultivation, and retail. So really, um, you know, that's, that's how it all started. I read in one of your investment reports that one of the goals of Gage is to bring 90% of Michigan's population within 30-minute radius as well as opening one store every month. Is that still the plan? Can you update on that? Yeah, no, look, it's a tough goal, no doubt. It's an aggressive goal, but one that we think we can achieve by the end of the year. Uh, right now, with the with the portfolio of retail that we have, uh, can reach you know 90 plus percent of the population within a one hour's drive. Really going to want to drive that down to close to 20 locations by the end of the year and having you know those 20 locations reach 90 plus percent of the population within a quick uh, you know 20 to 30 minute drive. Take us through how you evaluate new markets and, and how to think about entering those spaces. Well, it's education first off, right? Uh, the the, you know, the first thing we really, really try to you know not be overconfident with what we've done in, in Michigan or what we've done with the brand in Michigan. Taking a look at the licensing dynamic, taking a look at the players, uh, who the competition is, you know what makes them special, what the, you know kind of quality that's, uh, you know, available within the uh, various markets. And in some markets, you know, surprisingly, you know, at least us, it, it's shocking that, you know, the quality that they have. And uh, again, back to my first point, just education, really educating ourselves so we can make the best decision possible. Do you have a team of individuals or, an, or a specific individual that goes and researches those opportunities to kind of provide like a scoring matrix for, for you and your leadership team on making those decisions? Can you kind of shed some light on, on how that thought process works? No, I'd say that, you know, the, the leadership team is pretty hands-on, you know, so the two, the two founders, they're really, really hands-on. They're the kind of boots on the ground that are doing most of the, uh, the diligence work from an operational standpoint and, and from a market standpoint. Obviously, we have a bunch of finance uh, geeks, so let's call them, and, and lawyers on our team. Uh, and they're going to get really mad that I call them finance geeks, but uh, a bunch of guys on our team to really, you know, obviously drill down into whether it makes sense from a financial standpoint. And obviously from a legal standpoint, we take that counsel uh, very seriously to say, hey, what is the path of least resistance to, you know, getting a deal done in, in, in state X or state Y? And so this is the type of analysis we do. You know, we do still have, you know, decent amount of confidence in how we operate. It's not going to be 
rocket science for us, right? And sure, there'll be a couple tweaks to the rules in each and every respective state, but we know how to grow cannabis, we know how to process cannabis, and we know how to run retail. Yes, again, there'll be quasi-different rules in each and every state, but we're pretty confident that we can come into a state and at least kind of hit the ground running. How do we educate the consumer? Like, there's so many variables you were just describing, Fabian, but how does a consumer who's kind of curious, walks into a dispensary for, let's say, the first or second time, he's overwhelmed by the 9 million options, where do they start? Is it on the, the brands? Is it on the bud tenders? Is it a combination of both? How do they get educated on all the characteristics of the plant? Because like you were saying, it is incredible, but there are so many layers to the product. You know, at least, at least from my perspective, especially for the new consumer, you know, edibles, you know what I mean, are always a, a good introduction. Basically, you know, s- see how your body reacts, see how you feel, you know what I mean, when you consume that type of product. Obviously, drinks not as popular, but you know potentially another method for for a new consumer. Pre rolls are obviously a perfect, perfect way to to get introduced to the industry. Again, it's something that you really need to cater to to people's tastes. Uh, some people don't want to smoke anything, right? So you have to educate them on the other varieties in terms of consuming. But I think overall, it's it's really just finding out you know what does the consumer want? What are they looking for at the start? And then catering to that consumer. And that, that's how we approach, you know, our, our, our new, let's call it uh, fan base that comes to our brand and says, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a new user. You know, what, what can I try? You, you try to ease them into it, right? So before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests two questions. If you could sum up your experience in the cannabinoid space into one main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would that be? Uh, work really, really hard work really, really hard and be ready for the challenges, at least in this day and age, right? Like uh, we just talked about the, the, you know, the challenges of, of, of regulations, you know, there's, there's a whole variety of operational challenges as well. Still, you know, still hard to attract, you know, good quality people uh, to the industry. Not, not saying that we don't already have uh, good quality people in this industry from a employment standpoint, but, you know, to really attract, you know, top-notch quality people, you know, people still have this, you know, stigma towards the industry. So it's a little tough, right? So you got to be prepared for the challenges. You got to be prepared for the ups and downs because they're going to be plenty. Um, But if you can stay the course, I think, you know, those that come out on the other side, when hopefully things get a little bit easier for us uh, as companies from, you know, a whole variety of angles, those are going to be the true winners. That's for sure. The last time you consumed any cannabinoids? Uh, (laughs) Probably two nights ago, I had an edible before I went to sleep. I find, uh, you know, edibles really help me sleep, especially these days where, you know, things are... uh, Always high stress, at least for me, being a newly publicly traded company here in Canada. You just uh, you got to uh, got to be on top of your game all the time, and sometimes, like anyone else, it, it gets to you. So, if I have a nice uh, edible thirty minutes before I go to sleep, it usually means I'm going to have a nice sleep. So, prediction time: ten years from now, which product category will be the biggest by sales? I think it's going to be neck and neck between flower and edibles. I think you know edibles will continue to continue to gain ground. Not so sure on the drinks. Still not sold on the drinks and beverages. But yeah, no, I think edibles is is a great category. It's gaining a lot of steam. It's an easy way to consume as well. Very, very easy. It's time time efficient, obviously, as well. I would say very, very, very close, but I still, you know, still love flour, so I'm gonna say flour. <laughs> That's my final answer. Kellen? I don't know. It, it's either edibles or or flour, right? And I think the the biggest variable in that prediction is going to be how the next generation that comes online views smoking, right? Because I think right now, like our generation and the generation above us, we cannabis 
has always been something we've smoked. And so flour will can continue to dominate as we are the main buyers as consumers. But it'll be really interesting to see how the younger generation views smoking in general. I mean, is there going to be a resurgence? If not, and they really focus more on like the wellness aspect and really are health conscious, then I think edibles will take the day no matter what, just from a, an ease of consuming. But in 10 years, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with flour too. What are your thoughts, Brian? Obviously, Kellen, you know, I'm very, very bullish on the beverage market. I think from a social standpoint, getting together with your friends, consuming an edible, it, it kind of isn't that same feeling of standing around with like a white claw or a beer. So from a social standpoint, I think the low dose THC beverages are going to just absolutely explode. So Fabian, before we wrap, where can our listeners get in touch? We'll tag Gage and all in the show notes, but if they want to get involved and learn more about your company specifically, where can they, they learn more? Yeah, look, I mean, follow us on social media for sure on our Instagram page. You know, we have close to 30,000 followers, have a, a big, broad network. We put a lot of time and effort into our social media. Um, really, it's a great place to also see you know, what we've come out with in terms of, you know, new flower, new, new flavors, et cetera, and new product lines. So that, you know, just follow us on Gage Cannabis. Uh, go to our website, gagecannabis.com as well. Again, that's gagecannabis.com. If you have any investor, you know, questions, Email us at ir at gageusa.com. Again, that's ir at gageusa.com. Obviously, we trade on the Canadian Securities Exchange under the symbol GAGE and on the OTC in the US on the pink sheets for now under the symbol GAEGF. We appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to seeing you migrate to the East Coast and continuing to dominate in Michigan. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.